Pastor, that was a good pick. Praise the Lord. That was a good pick. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's one of my favorites. I can sing that song in Portuguese. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 16. 2 Kings chapter 16. And the title of the message tonight is, Where Do You Turn? 2 Kings chapter 16. We're getting close into the end of 2 Kings 16. I mean, 2 Kings, the book of 2 Kings. When the world did I said? Okay. <laughs> okay. Look what it says there in 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 1. In the 70th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, uh, Ahaz, the son of Jodan, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty years old was Ahaz when he began to reign, and reigned in sixteen years in Jerusalem, and did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord is God, like David his father. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, yea, and made his own his son pass through the fire, according to the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out uh, from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father, what a sad verses that we read here about this king. The kings of Israel were known for doing those things, but the kings of Judah, Lord, oh, I pray, Father, may we not fall into the same trap, in the same mindset as we put our minds in the things of this world. Help us, Lord to run to you in times of trouble. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know one thing that I noticed, and this happens a lot, unfortunately, it happens a lot. In the lives of Christians, not non-Christians, it goes like this. Maybe I, I took here to the empty seats, right? <laughs> no, I'm going to spend more. You know what it is? When, when, you, when I see myself online, there's a big bar in here. The only thing I can see is myself from here up. You ever saw it on TV, on, on, uh, on, online? It's a, people online can see what I'm saying because it's a big bar here. Can you guys move the bar to the other side? <laughs> it really is. The only thing I can see is if you watch me online, you seem like from, from like half here up. Every, when I walk in here. Huh? Yeah, because I know the thing is in this. I walk in here. You see me more on this side. It's because I know I... It's only half of me on the other side. Because <laughs> it's like the outline is in this side right here, right? And, and the thing for the giving is in this side when I put. <laughs> okay. So if you see me walking more on this side, is a purpose. is because people only see half of me. Okay? So anyway, <laughs> it is true. You watch. You go online. You watch when you get home. Watch our services. The outline is right here on the left. But anyway, um, what, I was trying to, what I was trying to say, not to take away from the message, I just got popped in my mind. So when you see me going to the right, you know why I don't go to the left a lot because of that, the left. But I might spend more time on the left tonight here, okay? Uh, one thing is interesting is that, and I noticed through the years, you probably can testify of the same thing. And I've been saved for almost 25 years now. Here is one thing that I see, and it happens a lot in the life. I'm talking about Christian people, is that um, God is good. They love the Lord. Wonderful. But when life really hurts... When life really presses against them, 
they disappear. They walk out of church, they abandon God, and they begin to live. Many don't even live for God anymore. And you say, Pastor, yeah, yeah, I know people, the Christian people, they're saved. They don't, they don't go to church. They don't read their Bibles. They look like everybody else. And if you search back, if you talk with them back, at some point, something happened on which they totally give up. Totally give up. How sad is that? Because we go through these, you know, into the book of First Kings or through the Bible, and we see these things. You say, well, you know, I would never do that if I was these people. Well, we're doing that today. So, where do you, do you turn for strength when things are falling apart? Where do you turn? When life is upside down, when hope is lost, lost when you're in the fork on the road, when you don't know where to turn, who do you turn to? I think everybody has, every, everyone has a place they go to for comfort when life isn't going as planned. Some go to entertainment. Some go to alcohol. Some go to drugs. Some go to loneliness. Some go to some, some segregate themselves. Some go to drugs. Some go to food. They get, they get over, overweight because they find comfort in food. Some go to cigarettes. Some go to friends, unwanted friends. But not only, that's not all bad, okay? Some go to good friends. Some go to the Lord. You follow that? We all go somewhere. Let me ask you, where do you go? Where do you turn to when life is hard? Now believe me, folks, let me tell you this. All of us go through this. Sometimes life is easy. Life is wonderful. Laughter, good times. You get up in the morning, life is good, sunshine. Even when there's clouds, you know there's a beautiful day. And you say, life is good. But at times, life is hard. And life hurts. And it seems like you're the only one who's hurting. Don't, I mean, I don't have to ask you because I'm a human being too. And then you look up and say, Lord, how long am I going to hurt? What's next? So sometimes life hurts. So let me ask, let me ask you, how capable is, you, is your shelter to protect your joy when life hurts? You keep that joy of the Lord in you, or you just say, what's the use? So tonight we're going to look at this subject, where do you turn, from several points tonight, okay? Where do you turn when life is really hurting? When life doesn't go as planned, the one doesn't go the way we want it to go. Number one, who do you turn for worship? Who do you turn for worship? So tonight we pick up the story of the kings where, uh, with the life of Ahaz right, Ahaz right here, king of the southern kingdom of Judah, headquarters in Jerusalem. So that means once again, we are dealing with the descendant of David here, King David. This is the bloodline of, king, of, of, of kings that will lead, lead straight to the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David, the king of kings. We know that. So we uh, here between seven... 735 BC, 7735, 715 BC. So Ahaz is 20 years old here when he rises to the throne and he reigns 16 years as king in Jerusalem. Let me put it this way. When, you have, when we have a president that they'll do things that good, such as the one that we have right now, okay, but I'm not mentioning any names, but we, we can wait for that four years to go ahead and I'm going to vote you out. 
I can't take you anymore. I'm going to vote you out. I'm going to run to that poll, and I'm going to vote you out. At least I put my conscience clear. I'm going to vote you out. <laughs> you know what? When you don't have nobody to vote for, vote for yourself. <laughs> at, least, at least you agree with yourself, right? I've done that. <laughs> but anyway, um, here's the thing. 16 years this guy is in power. And we can see this guy didn't do that good. Okay? You want about four years, what about 16? Now, we already seen that these heirs of David's throne have been a mixed bag right here. They have some good kings and bad kings. So, unlike the rulers of the northern kingdom of, of Israel, who are bad without exception, some of these southern, southern kings have been some pretty good, some okay. So Ahaz is the son of Jotan, the, the, son, the grandson of Uzziah from, last, from the last, uh, we talked about Uzziah before. Uh, I want to say last, last week, but it was not last week. Uh, so both of these kings were okay. They did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but now without some flaws. And who doesn't have flaws, right? There were three-star three, ki three kings serving God who was, uh, a, who was looking for a five-star king. Listen, our life as we serve the Lord we say, well, if I'm a three-star Christian, I'm okay. Well, God wants a five-star Christian. That's what the Lord wants. You say, yeah, if I'm a three, I'm okay. Uh, maybe I'm a four. Remember, all of us, God wants a five-star Christian. That's what God wants. So, let's look at this. Number one, the, under the, 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 the letter A, I'm sorry, under the number, number one point, following the wrong example of others. Well, Ahaz comes along in chapter 16, and he's not good. Not good at all. Look what it says in verse 2. Twenty years old was Ahaz when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not which was right in the sight of the Lord. The Lord is God, like David his father. So in verse 3 tells us that this, that he did not good. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. So the kings of Israel, what? they were all bad kings. So he followed the example of the bad people. Folks, let me tell you. Same thing for us in our world. There's good people and bad people, right? We can pattern ourselves after the bad ones, or we can pattern ourselves, pattern ourselves after the good ones. You know, there's people that have, can give godly good examples, and people who can lead us in a bad way. So which way are we going to follow? So sometimes we say, we say that nobody can influence our thinking, our behavior, our way of life. Such statement, let me tell you, is not true in many fronts. We say, oh, I'm strong. Nobody will, can influence me the way I think or the way I behave or the way I live my life. But let me tell you, such statement is not true in many fronts. This man was influenced by the wickedness and the evil of the kings of Israel. Let me tell you, if you look back and there's family line, he got some good people. But he took his eyes, whatever he was, the way he was raised, and guess what? He looked at the kings of Israel. You see, the, the grass always seems green on the other side of the, out of the fence many times. But guess what? In Israel, was no good kings. So get, by this point, let me go back here a little bit. By this point in the, in, in the story, we know that what this metaphor means from the time that the one, the one nation of Israel broke in two separate kingdoms, the north and the southern kingdom, uh, uh, the kings of the north have perverted the worship of God. They don't want the people going to the temple in Jerusalem, even though that's exactly what God specially commanded them to do. So they build worship centers close to home, worshiping, uh, uh, worshiping the right God, but in the wrong way. 
Let me tell you, folks, there's a lot of people worshiping God the wrong way today. You agree with me? There's a lot of people worshiping God the wrong way today. Let me put it this. When Cain and Abel bring their gifts to the Lord, was the Lord satisfied with both? No. He was satisfied with one. He was not satisfied with the other. But both, they brought gifts to the Lord, didn't they? They brought gifts to the Lord, both of them. But one, God said, I'm not, I don't like this. That's not how you do it. But the other one, the Lord is pleased with it. See, there's many churches throughout nations. There's many different denominations and all that. It's some churches, God is not pleased with them. Amen. See, but it gets worse. Look at verse 4. And he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and every green tree. So Ahaz's father and grandfather were criticized for not taking down the high places. But they were never accused of, of rolling up their sleeves and actually getting involved in such a thing. Verse 4 tells us that Ahaz not only tolerates the high places, not only uh, does he, uh, uh, he go uh, 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 on the... I have the occasion to visit. He goes all in to the high places on the hills and on the every green tree and worship. Now the God of Israel. You know what? We have to be careful like this. What we tolerate, our kids go a step further. That's what happens. What we tolerate, our kids just get to that edge and they go a step further. So in other words, Ahaz can't seem to drive past a high place without stopping and for a cup of worship. But worse than any of that, look at the middle of the verse of verse 3. And he did that which was not right in the sight of the Lord is God. It's interesting, it says, is God right here, like David his father. Let it be, doing the unthinkable. Look at verse 3. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. What a mistake. Yea, and he made his son to pass through the fire, according to the abomination of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out while before the children of Israel. You see how bad it gets? All right, he has a good heritage. Great-grandfather, grandfather, godly man. They made mistakes? Yes, they did, but they were godly men. You know what? We all make mistakes. He, they were godly men. He takes his eyes off the way he was brought up, and he looks at the kings of Israel. They were bad kings. And what happens here? He begins to think like them. He begins to go in the high places and worship. But in verse 3 means this guy had walked away from God. Look what, it, look what it says there. And he walked in the way of kings of Israel. Tremendous mistakes. And he made a son to pass through the fire. The whole image is heated hot here by a fire burning and a hollow inside. In worship, your place, you sacrifice. And in his arms, and watch, it rolls down into his chest in a furnace burning below. Oh, did I mention that? That is the sacrifice required. The sacrifice required a human being. How far does a person go that is to sacrifice his own children to a pagan god? This guy went up going to whom? Molech. And give his children. Look what it says in verse 3. It says, in, uh, And made his son, pass through, his, his son pass through the fire. So he grabbed one of his kids. Obviously a boy right here. And he gave him to Molech as a sacrifice. 
Oh, how far are you removed from God to come to that point? That is, that is it, it's atrocious if you can think about it, to come to that point. But let me tell you this. When we, you online watching, just hang around, okay? Put your anchor down and don't leave. Just hear me well, okay? Okay, when we leave church, when we close the Bible and put it in the drawer, when we say church is full of hypocrites, church just wants money, church just wants this, and we begin to look at the ways of the world, guess what happened? We might not do this, but we might do even worse than that. You say, I will never do that. Don't say that because God says all of us have a wicked heart. We begin to take our eyes off the things that are godly. We think, I don't need that. And we get, begin to walk in the ways that God is not pleased. This man went up walking away from God, walking away from what he was taught when he was a kid by his great-grandfather, his grandfather, and his father gets west what? And he's walking in the ways of, of the heathen, people that is the people of God as well. And he began, he put his son in the hands of a heathen God. Can you imagine the crying of that baby? Get this, if you want something from the god Molech, you come carrying your own child as a sacrifice. You take your infant or your daughter and you, and you place your precious baby into those burning hot arms and watch him roll to a fiery death below. All the, all the while, the flutes and the, and, the, and the drums and the guitars are beating down or beating up, making a big noise so nobody hears the cry. Of the child. The instruments were there, folks. The instruments were there. You know, I grew up listening rock and roll, all kinds of nonsense music. But let me tell you, that music never satisfies the longest of your heart when you're hurting. It doesn't. I remember driving from place to place empty. And blast the music so loud, it didn't satisfy. It did not. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, folks. I was searching for God without even knowing I was searching for Him. It was an emptiness. You see, where was I? <laughs> okay. um, mother sent without tears or sobs to give the impression that everyone is in agreement with this murder. Because that's what it is, is murder. This is where King Ahaz brings his own child, not to Jehovah, his God, but to Molech. Can you imagine that? This man, the lead of God's people, forgot that God says in Exodus chapter 20 verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In Exodus chapter 20 13 says, Thou shalt not killed. This is the human ruler of God's people who had descended to his depth of depravity. How far can we go to sacrifice those who are totally innocent to save our own skin? So what, what would drive Ahaz to be so desperate that he go to stoop so low like that? Get this. His dad, his grandfather, and his great-grandfather were not perfect men, but the, the Lord gave them all passing grades for their spiritual faithfulness as kings. So what happened to King Ahaz to have such a dramatic change in his worship and faith? 
Was the nation falling to hard times? Is this some great depression that has blown and driven the nation into the depths of poverty? Has God left the people to starve? And so Ahaz is desperate to find some good, any good, or some God, or any God to restore life to the people he leads? No. That's not it. It was not poverty, but prosperity. That, would, that led Ahaz to paganism. You follow that? Sometimes we need to be careful. When we have too much, we don't know what to do with it. And the more we have, the more we want. And we begin to go get things that we shouldn't go get. Why go get it? We get bored with the things that we have. So we want something else. And we want something else. And God says, child, be still. You're right there. You're good where you are. Now, I think that this fits the pattern of our day. As for child sacrifice, we should not think of child sacrifice as a pagan practice that belongs only to the distant past. On the contrary, abortion is on demand, has made a child sacrifice more common than ever, under the bounds of the law. And we say, we don't do this anymore. Yes, we do it. The logic today is really the same as it was in ancient world. I want my life to be as happy as possible. I, want, I, I am willing to sacrifice someone else to make sure that I get the happiness I think I deserve. So this child is too much for me. This child is going to make my life a little, not the way I want. So with you, and I'm going and I'm going to be happy. That's the thinking of our day. Number two, who do you turn for security? Who do you turn for security? We see this from verse 5 to verse 9. And it says, And Rezai, Rezin, or Rezai, right? Rezai, king of Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to war. And they beseech Ahaz, and they could not overcome him. And that time Rezai bring a king of Syria, uh, recover Eliad, 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 whatever the name is, to Syria, and drive the Jews from Eliad to the Syrian. Uh, and the Syrians came to Eliad and dwell there unto this day. So sure enough, after, the, after reading about Ahaz, the, the, uh, the praved worship, it doesn't take long before crisis come. We see this from verse 5 to verse 9. An alliance as formed between the, two, the, the kings of the two of Judah's neighbors, the nation of Syria, uh, with the king of Syria come, and of course, uh, and, and the blood relatives in Israel, Pekah uh, uh, as their king. So uh, the two leaders come together, organize their soldiers, and trudge their, their dirty feet in, into uh, Judah, all the way to the capital city of Jerusalem, where the army set up uh, to t overtake Judah. So now, do you remember uh, last time we talked about the king Uzziah? That he built that that he had built for in his country. So verse five tells us that the siege wasn't been successful yet. They they tried to get uh, Ahaz, but they could not conquer him. Well, that's a blessing. But it doesn't mean that these are not stressful days in, for this king. The clouds are dark above above Jerusalem, and King uh, Ahaz is uh, is in a place when he sees that the enemy is coming over him. So verse 6 tells us that Syria was, uh, 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 was trying to come over and try to 
just make war with this king right here. You see, Ahaz and uh, what I wrote here. <laughs> okay, let's go. Actually, let's go back here a little bit. I, oh, I just passed one page here. So what do you do when you carefully protected kingdom is coming apart? Look at actually 2 Chronicles talks about this 28 19 says, For the Lord brought Judah low because Ahaz, king of Israel, for he made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord. Now, you look at this verse. I mean, 1 uh, uh, Chronicles and 2 Chronicles go together with 1 Kings and 2 Kings. They go right together. It almost, almost repeats itself. But right here, but some verses describe more in 2 Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles 28, it says that this guy caused the nation of, of Judah right here to, to, to really sin greatly against the Lord. Look what he says. He says, um, um, look what it says right there. And he made Judah naked and transgressed. Look at the word sore against the Lord. So this guy made wicked stuff. This guy caused the people to sin great against God. Who was he? He was the leader. He was leading the people to do those things. Now, you think everybody there did that? I don't think so. I just don't think so. I believe there was godly, godly people in Judah. I believe there was godly people in Judah. Okay, we have to understand what the Bible says. The Bible is generalizing right here. The, the, whole, the whole amount of people right here. So do you call the nation to gather the clip, a day of prayer and confession, join your people uh, on your face, seeking the Lord and His rescue from the enemies you cannot handle on your own. So we see right here what he's doing right here. Do you, do you go to the God who give you this land in the first place? No, he did not. He forgot God altogether. He was going to the gods of the land. So we look at this king and we see how far removed from God this man really is. How sad. Listen, how sad that this nation broke apart in the first place. How sad that this nation is following the pagan activities of, of, of their neighbor, neighboring nations. And how sad that this guy have a wonderful heritage. And he leaves everything behind and he looks at the kings of Israel. I tell you, folks, many Christians have done that. Many young people have done that. They let everything mom and dad taught them. And they went feast on the world. We can't go very far. Even Jesus talks about what we call the prodigal son. What did he do? Give me what belongs to me. And he went. And it was feast after feast. And until the money ran out. He didn't get a job. He went home. So how sad. Ahaz doesn't go to the temple to pray. He doesn't go, go to God at all. He doesn't see how God can help him at all. Folks, it is, it is in those moments of life that our faith comes to the surface. It is in those moments of intense pressure on which we have to make quick decisions that the amount of our faith comes to the surface here. It is critical. It is critical. In, it is in critical moments of life that the amount of our faith in the Lord is displayed. The king's, the, the king's faith in the Lord is one of, the, of non-existence here or next to nothing. He doesn't go to the Lord for help. He doesn't, he doesn't rise and, 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 and ask the Lord to help him. He goes to the pagan kings, to Molech, 
Can you imagine? I, I, I was thinking about this. How desensitized are you that you grab your own child and walk that child in your arms and come to that hot heat burning fire and place your child in the arms of that statue? How far removed from God are you? Letter A, under that second point, we see an, an empty security in verse 7. Folks, this world only gives us empty security. Some people, the security is in the money in the bank. If I have this much money in the bank, I'm good. If I have this great job, I'm good. You see, when we do that, who are we trusting? Not God. We trust in ourselves. I got a good job. I got money in the bank. I got a good house. I got a good car. I'm good. What about if everything flies away? Then what do you do? This world only gives us security for today because we don't know what we'll be facing tomorrow. I think, I'll be honest with you, I think if the stock market would collapse tomorrow, I think churches would be full of people in no, in no time. You know why? Because a lot of people lose hope completely. They will be running to church. I mean, God will be real to them in no time. That's the time you say, Lord, just keep this for a little while so they can get saved. Because they come just for a little, a little season. Remember when we had the fire in uh, West Warwick? Our church was just down the street from that fireplace. We actually started doing two services. Three services on Sunday. Three. Two morning services and one at night. Because the doors were full after the, I mean, the, the auditorium was full after the door. Couldn't put any more chairs. And the pastor's like, we're going to preach because these people need the Lord. Praise the Lord. A lot of people got saved. But soon it cleared up. Going back to normal. But the pastor had a vision. He said, you know what? This is going to happen. The time is to do is now. He said, pastor, how are you going to preach three times a day? He will, I will, by the grace of God. He did it. A lot of people got saved. But some people came because they were afraid. Because it was such a, the way it happened, that people in that area. But let me tell you, if the stock market would collapse tomorrow, I think churches would be full of people. You see, people only give us security for the moment because even them, them cannot promise us security tomorrow. The king of Judah did not put his security and the security of his people in the Lord, who time after time fought the enemies of Israel and gave them great victories over and over again. This king went to find security in the godless, wicked king of Assyria. Let me describe Assyria, if you will, for you, so you know where this guy is trusting in, okay? Assyria is one of the most godless nations in all history. They didn't just master the art of warfare. They mastered torture techniques too. And bragged about it. This, the, uh, they, they actually hanged their, their, their victory trophies like people even in their walls of their palaces. They made pictures and, and, and books of it. And how they would take their enemies, uh, cut off their lambs, gorge out their eyes and then leave the poor victims to roam around. They bragged about mass ex executions beheading, making, making jewelry out of, their, out, of, out, of their, uh, out of their heads. 
That's what they did to the to, to people. This is the man, this is the people that the king of Israel trusted into, or king of Judah. This is an empire of brutality, folks. If anything, the brutality reputation of Assyria only makes Ahaz more intent on going there for help. Notice how he approaches the king of Assyria. Look at verse 7. Look how far is this man removed from God. Look at verse 7. He says, in the middle of verse 7, I am thy servant and thy son. Isn't that sad? For a king on whom, goodness, is it the son of King David? And how far removed is this guy from God? And Lego says, I am thy servant and thy son. No, what a sad statement. Judah had, uh, had always been God's son. And the king of Judah had always been God's servant. Going back to the time of Moses and Pharaoh, God said these words in Exodus chapter 4 verse 22. Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And he's calling the king of Israel that. You see, this guy has no God in his thinking. He's far removed from God. Later, when Jesse's young son was first anointed, anointed to be king, God frequently referred to him as David, my servant. The house of David continues to enjoy the privilege of sonship. God says so himself when he promised to David about his son. He says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 14, I will be his father and he shall be my son. So when Ahaz calls himself the son of, a, of an Assyrian king and the servant of an Assyrian king, instead of the servant of the Lord, he's selling his birthright for a bowl, a bowl of stew. How, how low can a person go when he's petrified with fear? How low uh, those, uh, a person can go to, to save their neck from immediate danger? How low can a person go when, when he's too coward to trust God and to fight God's battles? You see the parallel in our lives today here? We make mistakes. We make the same mistake whenever we try to find immediate relief for life's pressures many times. And some Christians do that. They leave God for the gods of this world. They leave God for the God of self. Let it be a sad action. I'm... I'm this lesson is, is a good lesson, and, and the time is flying on me. <laughs> and, and Ahaz took the silver and gold that was found in the house of God and in his treasures of the king's house and sent it for a present to the king of Assyria. All right. He left God and everything. Now he goes to the house of the Lord and takes everything out of there to give to the king of Assyria. It's like me. You know, you come to church and everything is gone. You're going to say, what happened here? Oh, I give us a gift to Assyria. Well, who would you think? Can you imagine the heart of God's people when they went to the house of the Lord and saw that? I believe it was a lot of tears in Israel. I really do. This, totally, this king totally forgot that, the, the concept of who God is. Once again, the holy temple was ripped apart because one man was following the ways of the Lord, of the world. Number three, do you know, do you, uh, who do you turn for influence. Who do you turn for influence? Obviously this guy was influenced. Not by God. Not by godly people. Not by the, the godly people of, of Judah. He was influenced by the kings of Israel. And he was influenced by the king of Assyria. Be careful. Who you allow to influence you. Really be careful. 
There's a lot of voices in our world. A lot of voices in our world. I work with many of them. And there's some strange ones too. Be careful. One thing I do. I say, I say, oh, I can fall too, believe me. I'm, I'm as a human as everybody else. But one thing I do, when I see these things, I try to tell them about Jesus. That's what I do. Tell them about Jesus. That's what they need. Our world is full of people who can influence us in so many different ways. Our world is full of people at, who at the core, many of them are very religious, people will impose on you their ideologies, and they will try to influence you with the things that they believe. Who do we turn for influence? Who our kids are turning for influence these days? Do we turn to our neighbor, our co-worker, or so-called friend? Do we turn to the, our politics, to YouTube, to almighty Google? Some people, everything Google says is, is law. Do we turn to the Bible, God's word for influence? Do we? I tell you what, I have a goal every year is to go through the Bible, and I don't plan to stop. And I say to you, do the same. And you say, to you, if I finish before the year is over, start over again. You know why? Because that's the influence you want, God's word, in your mind. Right. See, these are, there are leaders here, uh, I mean, King Ahaz allows the kings of Israel, of Israel and the king of, of Assyria to influence him. And we see the result where he is. But let me put a, a couple of things here as, on this point. Letter A, why, who do you turn for influence? We need to be careful of this. Letter, letter A, the, the eye influence. The eye influence. Look what it says in verse 10. The king Ahaz went to Damascus to meet, um, this is a hard name right here, Tiglit Pileas, I think, Tiglit. Tiglipilias, whatever that is, king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was in Damascus. And King Ahaz sent to Urijah the priest the fashion of the altar and the pattern of it according to all the workmanship thereof. He saw the altar of the gods of Damascus, and he wanted to do that in Judah. The eye influence. Be careful of the eyes which you see. So our eyes and influence to our brain and to our hearts, we must be careful for what we see. Many people do, do get influenced by what they see because what they see, they went up wanting. Isn't that what happened to Eve in the Garden of Eden? She saw it. And when she saw it, it's good. I tell you what, be careful that this king went there to Assyria and he saw it. And he got detail about it, and he sends to the, to the priest right here to do the same thing in Judah. Wow. So captive is this king that, that by what he saw, that he pulls a napkin out of his pocket and draws a picture of the altar complete, with complete dimensions. Then he sends the drawing by carrier back home to Jerusalem, addressed to the to priest Uriah. By the time the king gets home from his trip, lo and behold, there is the temple complex, and the very altar is, is, uh, that he wanted is already made to his specs. Look what it says in verse 12. And when the king was come from Damascus, the king saw the altar. And, he, and the king approached the altar and offered thereunto. Wow. When he came and saw the, the same altar is made, then he what? Burn offerings go up. Not to the God of Israel. 
Folks, this is the way we do it today. We see it immediately. We get into our phone and to Amazon we go. And the next day is at our doorsteps. He said, Pastor, you're exaggerating. I'm not. Now, if we don't be careful, what we see can influence whom we worship. Things didn't work out very well for King Ahaz. Or it seems they didn't work for him very well right here. And things cannot, cannot work out for, good, for us as well that good. So, so he does what he wants in worship. Israel worship is an old-fashioned and limited. In fact, he's not done with the altar. He wants more. So let's look at letter B. The, deceit, the deceived heart. Look at verse 14. And he brought also the brisen altar, which was before the Lord from the forefront of the house, from between the altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of the altar. And King Ahaz commanded Uriah the priest, saying, Upon the great altar, the burn the morning, uh, 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 burn the morning burnt offering and the evening meat offering and the king's burnt sacrifice and his meat offering will be burnt offering of all the people of the land and their meat offering and their drink offerings and sprinkle upon it uh, uh, all in the on the old um, I'm sorry all the blood of the burnt offering and all the blood of the sacrifice and the prison altar shall be for me to inquire by. Thus did Uriah the priest according to all that king. Ahaz commanded. Folks, this happened all the time with many of God's people. My heart goes to our young people today, okay? And I have young kids too. When we hang around with bad friends, when we question the Word of God, when we don't read our Bible and, and, believe what, and, and don't believe what the Bible says, we are headed for to be victimized and by wrong influences. Right. I tell you, young people, if you, somebody watch me, when you go to college or even to a Christian college, be careful of the discussions that go, goes on in the dorms. Stick to your Bible. When we get influenced by the opinions of others, we begin to view a holy Bible and view God as our friend and our buddy and our God anymore. Talking about influence, let me listen to the words of our missionary Matthew Frank. This is good. This is our mission. This is not my words. This is his words. Look what he says. The problem with contemporary church movement is not their music, nor their methods. And I am opposed to both, he says. The real problem is that they have brought a righteous and holy God down to the level of being our buddy. That's why they do what they do. He's our buddy. He's our friend. He's going to hang around with us. And if I got who he is, a holy God. Okay, folks, we are, where are we heading? Where is our young generation heading to? So, the hymns are old. The King James Bible is old. The music is old. And everything is like, let's put it aside because it doesn't fit anymore. That's what they has did. And let's bring the world in. What did Ahaz did? He brought Assyria back to the house of the Lord. And push the altar of the Lord aside. Oh, it's too old. It's out of style. No good. God's house and God's would have become an old-fashioned and out-of-date thing to do. So we have to put some spice into it so that we can fill the appetite of the worldly-minded Christians. Think about it. There's a spiritual-filled Christians and the world-minded Christians. Those guys, they're the ones who want to bring the world into the church. 
I think I'm preaching to myself tonight, but that's okay. So let's b- bring the pagan influence of this world into the house of God and push, and push the things of God aside and justify our minds with the words, it's okay. Is God okay? Look what it says in verse 16 in our text. Thus did Uriah the priest according to all that King Ahaz commanded. Is this guy a priest? This guy should stand for Uriah. I mean, uh, Ahaz and say, you are wrong. What in the world do you do when you bring the altar of a pagan god here? You want, to, you want us to build one like and push the altar of the Lord aside? You know why? He didn't question. He did exactly what the king said. You know why? Because he was afraid he was going to lose his job. Listen, the day that I preach wrong, he kicked me out. Believe me, kick me out. Don't, don't, don't feel bad for me. Kick me out and say, get out of here. Talking about one person influencing another person here in this verse. Now even the priest had enough discernment to say to the king, this is wrong, I will not do this. So the older Christian needs to say, this is wrong, we will not do this. So what happened to these contemporary churches? You know what? They creep in into a conservative church and they want their old people is pushed out. So the new ones come in. Ouch, that hurts. So the younger Christian need to say, this is wrong. The old Christians say, should need to say, this is wrong. So who are influencing you today? Do you know what the world-minded Christian says about the KJV Bible? Too old and out of date. I just don't understand it. I need something up-to-date that is easy to read. So we come with all kinds of translations, and when what happened, they don't read it. They want the update translations, guess what? They don't read it. Music, it's too boring, it's too old, out of date. I fall asleep in church, something is wrong with you, not with the music. So let's bring some rock and roll style and some rap style so we can uh, make ourselves feel good. Think for a moment, does this type of music honors and glorifies a holy God? Let me remind you that worship is not a time to make ourselves feel good. Worship is a time on which we give glory to God and praise His name. Worship is for the audience of one, not to make me feel good. All right? I know by the end of the message, I'll be here by myself. Okay? (laughs) Preaching. Too long, too judgmental. So let's let's just have a feel-good message. That is what people want, right? The Bible says in the last last days, there will be itching ears, and people now have sound minds. So actually, that's what we need. As we face life every day, we don't want people to, to, to judge us. We don't want people to tell us wh- wh- what to do. So we want just a few good things. So pulpits have become a place of jokes and comedy. The gospel is not being preached. So instead of a preacher of God's word, the preacher has become, uh, in many ways, a psychiatrist. <coughs> Dr. Feelgood from the pulpit. So... Young people, stop allowing your mind to be influenced by social media, by your peers, by YouTube and TikTok videos. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Please hear what God's word has to say about preaching. Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. 
doesn't say sing out loud. It says preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove. Rebuke. Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own loss shall they heap to themselves teaching, having itching ears. And verse 4 says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Is that what we see today? Folks, I tell you what. You give another 10 years probably and churches like ours will be all gone. Here's Judah. This guy came to a point that he even pushed the altar of the Lord aside and replaced it with a pagan altar. And the priest didn't even say anything. A.S. says, boring. I can't do this anymore. Let's do something better here. Let's, you know, let's get some. Let me tell you this. Okay. I love to sing. To the Lord. I think our hymns are wonderful. There's some good contemporary music. Good, yeah, change the tone out of it. The tune out of it. Change that tune out of it. I was exposed to rock and roll. I know what rock and roll uh, 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 advertise is. Why do I want that in my church? Drugs and alcohol? Or is it okay because we put God's name in there? You say, well, you're an old-fashioned preacher. I am. You are out of date. So be it. I go to church to, so the preacher can make me feel good. Is that what it's all about? Then Jesus walked in the synagogue one time and he began to preach and he said, This day, prophecy is fulfilled in your ears, or scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Yeah. And they look at him. Like, oh, how dare you took to us that way? You know, sometimes, you know, we have to exhort, yes, encourage. Christians, but sometimes we need a little rebuke. So does the preacher. <laughs> well, I give you a little bit of one of these days I'm going to preach on music. So I'll be the last, the, the only one left in church. <laughs> Number four, I'm going to give you this quick. Where is our hope? Look at verse 20. And Ahaz slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and Hezekiah's son reigned in his stead. Glad that Hezekiah didn't follow his father's footsteps. Verse 1 it says, Farewell to King Ahaz. And we say, What a tragic waste. Tell you folks, I'll conclude with this because I know we go out of time. I'll tell you what. When a person lives for the pleasures of this world, he dies, and we say, what a wasted life. What a wasted life. Amen. One guy said to me, I invite him to church. He said to me, I'm not going to waste my time at church. I smile at him. And he goes, I have better things to do. I look at him, I said, 
you don't know what you're missing. I said, you don't know what you're missing. And I looked at him right in the eyes and I said, don't make your life a waste. Don't make your life a waste. Because ultimately that's what it is. But tonight I was talking more to like carnal-minded Christians who just want to be pleased. They just want to make feel good. Let me tell you, folks, we are the servants of the Lord. He is a holy God. I mean, where do we get this concept that, oh, God is my friend, God is my buddy, so we're going to hang around together today. Come on, Lord, let's do it. Let's rock and roll. Okay, all right, okay. Oh, say, Pastor, but you cannot deny the instruments of strings in the Bible. Yes, they are. Absolutely they are. But don't take the culture. Don't take the time. Don't take what they did and the way they did to today's world. Because the problem is, like the king of Assyria, he went to Damascus and he brought the altar of the pagan god to the temple. Of this, and he pushed God's throne aside. And he sacrificed there. Wow. You see what happens when we move away from God more and more and more? See what happens to us? They say, Pastor, it never happened to me. Don't say it never happened because it can't happen to any of us. can't happen to any of us. I'll conclude with this. Where do you go to turn for strength when things are falling apart? Everyone has a place to go for comfort when life isn't going as planned. Like I said, some go to entertainment, some go to alcohol, some go to drugs, some go to food, or unfaithful friends. You know what I tell you tonight? Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. You can go no wrong if you turn to the Lord. Ahaz did made a big mistake. His mistake was the kings of Israel. His mistake was the king of Assyria. He forgot. And the Bible says, his God is God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this message tonight. Maybe I should preach this message on the Sunday morning. But, Lord, I do it if you allow me to. But I pray, Lord, for tonight, if those who heard us online, Lord, and those here, Lord, may we don't ever push you aside, Lord. Where do we go if we push you aside? It's none like you, Lord. It's none like you. Please help us. In Jesus' name.